Welcome back for episode 37 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on June 29th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Evening, gentlemen. Next up is the third member of our merry little band, our friendly neighborhood spokesman for Payan himself, Steaming Willie Beeman. Pay and be with you, my children. The topic of today's chat is going to be over the topic of death and resurrection within Destiny. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through some quick notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the lore of the Rise of Guardians. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Our next chat's going to be a discussion on the Guardian weapon lore. With that, let's go ahead and dive into the lore around death and resurrection. Hashtag Rezzle's the boss. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe we will get to Rezzle. Um, but let's kick it off with... Uh, the ghosts. How about that? I think that would probably be the best place to start. It's a pretty good because they handle both of those. They get mm-hmm. you killed and they resurrect you. So <laughs> it's a one stop shop. In its dying breath, the traveler created the ghosts to seek out those who can wield its light as a weapon, guardians to protect us and do what the traveler itself no longer can. That's a quote from the speaker. Built from machinery and the traveler's light. Ghosts guide their guardian companions in the quest to reclaim our solar system. Every ghost seeks out its guardian among the ancient dead. The ghost serves as scout, librarian, and mechanic, waking ancient machinery and cracking alien codes. In the right situations, a ghost can even save a guardian from death. But ghosts are not immortal. As far as guardians know, every loss is is irreplaceable. And one thing I want to point out from that card is as far as guardians know. Like, hey, as far as you're concerned, we can't replace that, so you want to keep that. Yeah, and I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, they should really number them, and then we could like take a, a ghost census. And have a pretty clear picture. I really do see it. I see like a uh, what the hell was his name? Um, something Berg in Office Space. Lumberg. Lumberg. That's what his name is. Like I, I see that being Lumberg, 
just reading that card, like, yeah, if you could just uh, take care of your ghost, that would be great. <laughs> and our ghost is like <laughs> one of the. It's actually the first, the first uh, NPC we we you know interact with in the game when we're first resurrected in the uh, you know amongst the cars there outside the wall in the Cosmodrome. Um, he scans us, and then we pop up, and the rest is history. Yeah, and then we got the dead ghost. Which uh, we actually have a Grimlock card on those guys, which is battered and drain of their light. These ghosts are n- nevertheless valuable for the information they preserve. Their recovered memories may well prove vital to the city's survival. The problem of dead ghosts troubles the city scholars. The new ghosts still being born. Or is the number of ghosts dwindling? Will there come a day when no more remain? An end to the rise of new guardians? If that day is coming, then the city faces a desperate race against the time to heal the traveler before attrition takes its toll. Which, you know, that card speaks in and of itself. We need more ghosts. Or we're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, but if they're if they're actually literally pieces of the traveler, you would think there's a finite amount of material there. You would think. I mean, the traveler does kind of defy all logic most of the time. Well, naturally, um, you got to figure the traveler is the one who brought us the golden age and general you know it it brought us the technology that we didn't have before so now traveler is really important our lives in general honestly not so much I am and I want to get into this later how a ghost actually dies and what is its life life force but I think, I think Blue has the Warlock Sunsinger card on tap. Yes, <clears throat> and so these are. This is an interesting subclass because unlike all the other subclasses, the Sunsinger actually has the capability to trigger their own resurrection without needing the ghost in, ghost involvement. Um, and so the Sunsinger says there are flames that not even the darkness can ext- can that even the darkness cannot extinguish. These are dark times. Humanity stands on the brink of extinction. We will carry fire into that darkness, a beacon to guide the way and a pyre to consume our great enemy. The light saved us from death and forged us into weapons. We seek to understand it, to embrace it, to consume and be consumed by it. We hope to become radiant. Our fellow guardians need our power. Our civilization needs our strength. So, and I know, like, gameplay-wise, 
the Sunsinger is actually, I think, one of the the odder classes because it it does have potential to be a support class, but it's usually not used that way. Um, we know that you know, for instance, Scory from the Iron Lords was probably a Sunsinger because of the comments from the the items that she had, and she spoke of lifting her companions up and lifting those who were below her up with their power. And so I think that's, that's always been kind of an interesting thing. Sun singers are also portrayed when they activate their radiance, they're portrayed as angels of light. And I think actually, if I remember, that's actually one of their perks is, and is it angel of yeah. light? That's where you fly right, or hang in there. Where you hang in the air. And uh, it's the same thing as when you're a Titan and you see, Umbrian Bellicose. Imperian Bellicose. So, yeah, but it, so it's interesting. Said. It's interesting there because um, the there is a number. There's a couple items that speak the well. Uh, the uh, what are the items that I'm thinking of? I just went blank on them. The Seraph, the Seraph Warlock suit of armor, speaks of the the cities view of the guardians and the risen and there's a there's a comment that there's one that there's one piece that says something along the lines of you know some see us as angels some see us as the opposite and you know it's telling to me too that there's a lot of references to the seraph which is another word for an angel within the war mind, you know, the seventh seraphs, the seraphim vault, all those are angelic entities. And so for the sun singer to portray itself, it's super in an angelic presentation is really kind of interesting to me, which is also interesting because seraphim technically have six wings and the sun singer only, I think only has two. Yeah. They have the traditional angel. Angel it's wings. more of a cherubim or an archangel presentation than a seraphim. So, right, and pins pins in chat. Yeah, Lucifer. Lucifer was an angel as well. He was the the bringer of dawn. He was one of the brightest brightest stars in the heavens and fell because of his pride. So, you know that kind of ties back into the seraph armor. Where, yeah, just because you're from below doesn't necessarily mean you didn't originally come from up high. So, I just, I, the Sunsinger lore wise, the Sunsinger class is a really, really interesting class to me because it's got so many, so many ties into some of the mythological, you know, the Norse myth of the Valkyrie, uh, the, the Judea Christian myth of Angelics. It's just there's a lot of that resurrection is very heavily involved with the Sun Singers, and we'll get into it later. There's an entire order of Sun Singers who literally explore death. So, but I'll I'll save that that rant for and a little bit we later. We have that one Sun Singer who said, "You protect me, and I do nothing." Mm-hmm. And I told him to sing, and he understood. Yeah, Osiris yep. did say that. <laughs> No, Saint said that, you <laughs> son of a bitch, mofo. No, Saint didn't say that. Actually, I thought a singer said that. Or yeah, a Rando Singer said Rando that. Singer. No, that 
that was Saint that said that. That is a Saint 14 quote. No, because he said, came to me and yeah, said, well, no, oh, no, yeah, he's, he's referencing. I the, thought you were, I thought you were flipping Saint, it the other way. And he understood. Yeah. I mean, Osiris was a pretty pragmatic warlock. No one before said before Osiris. we cause an aneurysm on Willie. <laughs> before we so, cause an aneurysm on Willie, let's let's talk about another another card. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's move on. Do we want to? Yeah, I was gonna say. Do we want to go ahead and just uh, real quick pair the radiance with the sun singer? Yes, um, that's a good call. Radiance. It's a guardian super ability. It's the super ability for the Sun Singer class. Um, open yourself to the light. Glimpse for a few rapturous moments the truth beyond the powers you wield. A warlock in a state of in a state of radiance threatens to slip beyond the bonds of the material, shrugging off physical harm, channeling a torrent of abilities. Some may learn to elevate nearby guardians, gifting them with powers. Others, entranced by the ghost's power to reach beyond death, may learn to pluck themselves out of nothingness, like the phoenix of ancient myth. And what what it doesn't say is some will sit on their super for hours. <laughs> hey, and do soloing no nightfalls <laughs> was infinitely easier as a sun singer. Okay, those of us who actually played the nightfalls in the original version of this game before they became worthless, but. <laughs> You know, the Allahorn quest. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it it is a very a very intriguing subclass because it's one of those it's one of those moments where game mechanic meets lore, and uh, it's. I mean, it it is a pretty a pretty good tie in to to you know they they made a nod to to the ghost resurrecting you and. I can just imagine the intense energy it takes for a guardian to do it without a ghost. And that's where I think all the flames come from. Right. And, you know, we have the two known sun singers that I, well, the known sun singers, I'm not going to put a number on it. The known sun singers are Pajari, very obviously confirmed with that. And then Osiris to a degree is Pretty, pretty strong convinced that he was a sun singer. What what makes you feel like Pajari is... uh, He was a Thanatonaut. Doesn't mean he was a sun singer, though. Thanatonauts can't be anything else. None of the other subclasses have the ability to resurrect. You don't need that ability when you have your ghost, though. Banshee proved that. Well, that's not confirmed that it was Banshee. Just a right, fine. But fine. I mean, it's I mean, but there's also Banshee, there's also. On, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Pajari, I'm pretty sure is a sun singer. I'm almost a hundred percent. Yeah, I don't the, think you the, can say confirmed. It feels like he is. I'll say that. I much. would don't. I mean, I'm all but. There's, there's, so just in game, there's a lot of that, and then there's also the the blatant overtones of his of his or her name, Pajari, which we talked about a little bit with the warlocks. Um, a Pajari, you know, lights something on fire in worship, is actually the process of lighting a Pajari. 
it's a it's a he light he lit himself or herself on flame in flame to worship the the light. I mean, there's a lot of overtones with just the word Pajari that to me point to them being a sun singer. Um but I was gonna say the other the other person that I would pretty be pretty convinced that is a sun singer would be Scory from from the Iron Lords. Other than that, I mean, there's there's hints that maybe Toland dabbled in Sun Singer. Uh, just be you know just that, and I th- I want to say Ariana. Yeah, there's all the, the there illusions a, too. She she burns so bright, bright at the yeah. end. Yeah, but. Um. Yeah, I don't oh, yeah. think you can say. I don't think you can say definitively she was a sunset. Oh, Ariana, no. I mean, it it was pretty. Well, um, and I don't think it's any any real. It might just be a coincidence, but um, Ariana is a praxic and mm-hmm. is the heart of the praxic fire, and not a sun singer exotic. Well, I believe she's the. Uh... Focus in our next card. Yes, and it's the best card ever. And I always read it, (laughs) and I'm reading it again because blue is awesome. No, uh, actually, I do believe Ghost Fragment Warlock Two is next. Ghost Fragment Warlock Two. My name is Ariana Three, disciple of the Praxic Warlocks, marked by the Cormorant Seal. We came here under one banner, united in a host of thousands, to claim the moon. But the battle goes against us. I have taken a prisoner, and this is the record of its interrogation. If I transgress in your eyes, I ask for forgiveness. Sound of current or discharge. Ariana, it responds to pain. It responds to the light. Heard it again. Monster, heed me. Who, does, who is your master with the sword? I can hear it in my head. The sword bearer's name is Crota. Record that. Should I burn it again? No, I think you're only feeding it. I will touch its mind. Ghost, help. They call you wizard. You must be ancient. I think you value power very much. Will you still be powerful without this piece of your mind? Tell me how to kill Crota. It showed me the battle. It showed me Wei Ning dead on Crota's blade. It showed me how Crota killed a guardian with a screaming knife hammered out of its own ghost. So I will take a piece of its mind and ask again, tell me how to kill Crota. Incredible. Where? Where is his throne? Where is the twilight world under the dead eye star? Ariana, there's word from the company at Marimbrium. Crota is upon them. Half a hundred dead. They need us. Tell me where. Tell me how. Tell me. Ariana, what did it say? It showed me how it did this. Just exactly this to an awoken man. The knives arranged by its will. Like little silver ships. Like ghosts. It laughed at me. It said we were the same. Crota marches with a thousand knights and they say the sky above Marimbrium has turned into green fire. They're dying in numbers I cannot bear to repeat. 
He kills them one by one with a sword that eats their light. Ariana, we have to do something. Kill the wizard. Scatter the ash. It has nothing but lies to offer. Get your sparrows. We have light and fury. That will be enough. (laughs) And one of the best lines ever right there at the end. I love it. Just real quick to back up. Another sun singer was Ulantan. Ah, that's that's who I was thinking of. Oh, not Pujari, but Ulan not Tan. Pujari, because Ulantan has a quote that says, "The sun singer is proof that the light is everywhere. The wings of radiance allow a guardian to fly beyond the veil. What further proof do you need, speaker?" So Ulantan was also probably a Thanatonot, but that's that is speculation. But I, we do know that Pajari was a Thanatonaut. Um, but yes, we're not 100% sure on the exact subclass on that one. So, But he was a... He did kill himself and resurrect himself yeah, he, for sport. He leaped, he leaped from the shores of time. Which was the... Black Garden Guard. <clears throat> <laughs> so that being said continue yeah any thoughts on the awesome warlock 2 card i think we've i think it's like isn't this feels like a card that we discuss we've discussed a lot recently yeah, I I've read. I mean, it I, least, I'm not. I don't mean. I don't. Times. I don't mean anything bad again. There's another one that I was like, I swear, if we've read this card, like for, the Rezal Azir. I swear, like every time I'm like, I swear, we just talked about this thing. But it's but, so good. Oh no, 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 no! It's good. It's just. It's like yeah. Um, I feel that way about the uh, XO two card mm-hmm. as well. Like we've talked about this card so much. I'm not. I'm not sure. I guess I guess as far as the Warlock 2 card goes, it's one of the first points that we get that the hive share the capabilities of the guardians in the sense that they can, you know, quote unquote hide their death. Which is something that we we did later, you know, you know, as you get into especially the Crota and then especially the Books of Sorrow and you know King's Fall, um, we get you know confirmation of that. But I remember like this card was like, oh yeah, you can't just shoot him in the face with the guns. Well, you can. Well, you I mean <laughs> you can, but it it's not going to work well. So I mean, yeah. the XO two card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do the XO two card. <laughs> yeah, that it it actually shows me that uh, shooting someone in the face could work out for you. Mm-hmm. It says hi, thanks for your interest. I'm recording this for posterity. Warlock Thantonauts die and come back with insight. I'm going to attempt to process the same process to get at the bare memories. Specifically, I'm going to fire a charged particle beam into my head and see what comes out. We Exos have been around for a very long time. I want to know what's in there. I wonder who else says that quote in-game 
Wow, sounds so familiar. Anyway, Banshee, my ghost is staying by to repair me. Okay, three, two, one. Stag, Echo, six, Sword, Sierra, nine, Serpent. We are falling into the world. Everyone is on fire. There's a ship above us, but it's coming apart just like a flower. Alloy and fusion flesh pierce through and through. The voice says atmospheric interface. Trajectory, nominal. Rabbit 2-3, you are outside the window. I think I am the voice. I can see the whole earth below me, and the sky we are falling out of is black without stars. Ghost. Shoot me again. Rapid. Four. Rampart. Four. Ratchet. Tango. Eight. Zero. We're on ice. This is elsewhere and elsewhere. This is a mightier war and is reflected on the ice, so when I walk between the two fires, although the one below is cracked and full of corpses, I have and am a weapon. Up in the sky there is a hole in Jupiter, and it tears at me when I look at it. It tears at me. It is hungry. Maybe the hole is not the Jupiter, but in me. Crown. Castle. Candor. Cobalt. Coral. Ghost. Bring me back. Serrate. Sulfur. Anathema. Amber. Actual. Aspen. Ghost. Bring me back now. And I, I really feel that's how that card needs to be read. Like... At that point, that Santanat is like, oh, ghost, you need to bring me back now, please. Like, he, he's practically begging for his ghost to bring him back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can almost hear an EMT say, clear. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, he, he is really wanting that ghost to bring him back, but he's been so far out. It's hard to say if he could get back in or not. Yeah. And little did he know it's going to take at least three or four waves of enemies for the ghost to do anything. <laughs> Other than open the door. Yeah. Well, it takes that long to open the door. Think how long it'll take to to figure this out. That is very it's 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 a very unique Unique little wrinkle that he's an exo, and he's shooting this particle laser into his face. Well, we also know that he's not a Thanatonaut. Yeah, he he just he's following their example, which I don't know how what the difference is. Well, he's is probably it that he's an he's exo. Probably a, well, no, he's if he if he's a well, he's not a warlock. I don't think so. He's probably either. Well, obviously, he's either a titan or a hunter. Um, yeah, but uh, Thanatonaut is kind of like a school of thought, though. It's not necessarily class-bound, class, class bound, right? Theoretically, as far as we I, know I mean, so far, yes. It, it seems to that it would be a self-fulfilling prophecy that 99.9% of Thanatonauts would end up being warlocks. But 
Oh no, I'm pretty sure Thanatonauts are all warlocks. Is is a warlock exclusive? I'm pretty sure. Like uh they're uh I think it's hard light. Hang on. I did remember seeing the the Thanatonauts. Well, it mentions every time those- every time we hear about Thanatonauts, it's in regards to warlocks. Uh, Fair hard enough. Light, hard light is there are several specialist exos and at least one warlock Thanatonaut. Um, Osiris was was accused of dabbling in Thanatonautics. Uh, you have the exo two, and then in the Promethean Code, you have. Ikora talking about having many Thanatonauts standing by anxious to learn if this works. So there's not a, there's not a specification on the Promethean yeah. code that it's warlocks, but since it's coming from Ikora Ray, yeah, who is the warlock mentor, you know, it would make sense that they would be an organization within the warlock class. Plus, yeah. every single thing that has a Thanatonaut attached to it is a warlock, like the Thanatonaut's lullaby, the Thanatonaut's bond, um, the Tengu operants, the monolith bleeds, the bond of veils, all those are every, – everything that's related to Thanatonauts is very clearly tied to warlocks is my defense that, yes, Thanatonauts yeah, and- is a class-specific – and that's thought. that's the that's the you know that's the obvious you know right no of, I mean obviously they can come with an item and they're like yeah Thanatonauts are actually all guardians they're all possible and you know they can do that yeah but as but far as what we know I the would, hard light one kind of puzzles oh, me nope though. nope right here monolith bleed three um which we are going to read later anyways but i might as well read right now because it wins the argument um it says the crucible <laughs> gave birth to the thanatonauts warlocks who hunt for secrets in death so there you go there you go see oh uh, yeah damn it Why fun fact about in, the monolith I'll bleed put that in the notes yeah fun fact about the <laughs> monolith bleed on trivia facts is there's a potential con. There's a po- potential connection on the monolith to a couple different things. Uh, the Space Odyssey series, which was an interesting Arthur C. Clarke series. There's a uh, item within that that's called the monolith. It's a machine that actually influenced the fictional history of the series because they encouraged humankind to progress with technological development and space travel in a very similar vein that the flavor text on the monolith bleed actually hints that the Thanatonauts hunted for secrets and death. Um, the other fun fact was that there are three known monoliths in the book series, which were deactivated by being infected with a powerful computer virus in the final book, a computer virus kind of similar to the one that we might be looking at in the next DLC. Um, there's also a potential connection to an, an older PC game. And this one, this one actually seems like more likely um, to be what it is. It's a potential nod to a game called stalker. And it was a, um, this is based off of the monolith bleed Two flavor text. And it says in a broken fortress at the heart of a poisoned land lies the wish maker. Um, the reason why that's so telling is that that pretty much sums up the entire story arc of the game stalker. Um, 
there is a wish maker in the middle of a radioactive poisoned area in Russia that you're trying to penetrate. And there is a guard unit around that called the monolith. And the entire point is you have to bleed out the monolith. So the entire armor set of monolith bleed a lot. There's a couple people who are making a pretty, pretty good argument over on Reddit that that is actually the the inspiration for that name, even as much as I would like it to be the Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, that is a very obscure nugget. Who developed that game? Uh, I honestly, honestly don't know. Hang on, let me see. Um, it was a PC game from a while back. Let me see. It is, it's, there's a, it was a trilogy. Uh, it was a survival horror video game and it was developed by GSC Game World for Microsoft Windows, um, produced by GSC and THQ. And it's, uh, I think it's, it's like Stalker is, I think the Shadow of Chernobyl um, is one of them. That's, I think, the one that a lot of people keep connecting it to. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So apparently, and apparently it's a really interesting game. I'm actually, I was looking, I was looking at it this afternoon while I was doing some research for the, for the monolith armor. And I was like, I need to go find this game and go like, just go (laughs) play it. It's just, it looked really kind of cool. So yeah. So that is, that was the fun trivia for the, the monolith bleed armor. That is pretty detailed little Easter egg. You know, you know, whatever. (laughs) I thought, I mean, like, the thing that killed me was, I was like, oh, this is a cool Space Odyssey thing, because, you know, the monolith. And then I, I was looking on Reddit, and I was like, damn it. Yes. <laughs> Someone beat me to this. That's what I say every time I get on Reddit. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yes, so- Thanatonauts are warlocks. All Thanatonauts are warlocks. Not all warlocks are Thanatonauts. Ah, there you go. But all of them eventually go crazy. That's confirmed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to argue that too much. Yeah. Well. So it seems like that is pretty close to the case. I don't think Osiris aren't crazy. No. Well, it depends on how limited your mindset is. Yeah. There you go. To the speaker, he's go. crazy. Except he's coming around. Yeah. Well, the speaker at the same time. Uh, yeah, like you said, the speaker's coming around. The speaker just, wants to know. Yeah, I was what. just having a conversation with someone in uh, the uh, oh, what is it called? The the Patreon chat for Bife. We were just talking about the Osiris card, and it was like, yeah, that ending. That's the speaker being like, ah, damn, yeah, yeah. okay, where are you? I need to talk to you. <laughs> That's my B. My B. (laughs) I need need to talk to you. So That's on me. Well, that's what it feels like. It's like, you know, the the speaker says I can't send ghosts for you anymore. The the speaker obviously wants to talk to Osiris and figure out how he feels. But at this point, it really feels like Osiris wants nothing to do with the speaker at all. Oh yeah, or the city I, for that matter. 
Well, the city, I don't know about that, but the speaker, yes. I think he's kind of, he's, he's by Felicia on that one. Yeah, I can't argue too much with that. <laughs> I, was I was like, where's Justin's response? No, 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 no not going to get drawn in. Not going to get drawn in. There's so much. There's so much there. So um, we actually have a couple of actual documented times that I guess guardians have been killed and been beyond mm-hmm. resurrecting. And we've actually encountered a few ghosts this way. Um, and blue, do you have ghost yeah, fragment? Titan? Uh, you're talking ghost fragment Titan. Um, yeah. do you, do you think we should read the whole thing or should nah, we I just, think you can pretty much just yeah, the parts that Germany I mean, Cause like it. basically the TLDR of this one is it's Holborn and his host and they're on Mars getting ready for Charlemagne's fault, but we can't confirm that. But, um, you also rec- you also get, um, a couple name drops that, don't seem to really go anywhere yet um, within the host of Holborn. And then he, they're basically, they're getting ready to go meet up with the rest of their host. And there, there's a ghost that just comes like sparking by it. It almost feels like um, an old droid from star Wars. That's like got a short circuit. It's like, and Holborn tries to like convince the ghost to come with them. And he basically makes a comment about the it's a, a ghost without a guardian. And he says, I remember when I was risen, you know, when I woke in that wreckage to see my ghost hovering there, a li- it's light in my eyes like an angel. <laughs> and then, then uh, was it T-Bon? It's like, oh, Jesus, this story again, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> but which actually show it, it actually reveals quite a bit about Holborn's personality is like how easily easygoing he is with his, you know, with his subordinates. But um, so I guess the ghost, which, you know, some of us have theories about who this ghost used to belong to um, based off the fact that it's echoing something ancient and old earth language. And then we get the comment about the ghost with Jaggy's host, um, which is a group of guardians who, quote, got in that fight at some point east of the Caspian. Seven ghosts, damn near silent, buzzing with some sort of corruption, drifting back to the tower one by one. Scared the speaker well enough. Um, And with the recent reveal of Rise of Iron... I think a lot of people are pointing to that that corruption was probably a SIVA. I mean, I, I think that it would be very, a very good kind of hop assumption wise that that would be a SIVA corruption, even though we don't really know a lot about the SIVA just yet, but we do know that there is going to be a new ghost with, uh, what is it like coral? I don't even know what you would call that growth on it. Barnacles. Barnacles. There we go. Hiviness. No. It's it's not really hiviness. It's not really hivey hiviness, though, is it? Because it's more more like warmindiness. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Thank you. Nailed it. Nailed it. So so Jaggy 
Yeah, I feel weird calling him Jaggy, but Yagi, it's Yagi. But they were coming back from the plague lands more than more than likely. I think is where we were going with this. And their ghosts were infected. Which is actually a little bit alarming if they're returning to the traveler. Which is what I was thinking. Like the the ghosts they returned one by one and they were silent. If they knew the fate of their masters, they would not say what they were. Well and, that they know of. But I mean I think the theory that a lot of people have is that when a guardian dies, the ghost returns to the speaker and departs all their knowledge. Yeah, and it's speaker. almost view it as being like a an traveler. autopilot, right. an autopilot thing, you know. So even if they don't have their own consciousness left to them, they're if they've got any energy whatsoever, I, just, well, yeah, we can an automaton. I think I think they would retain their consciousness because I don't I don't view the ghost as. Uh, I don't view ghost as a one-to-one ratio, except for active. An active ghost and an active guardian, as far as we know, ghosts can only have one active guardian. But I don't think that there is a... There's actually a precedent that it's not the case that once a ghost finds a guardian, it can't adopt another guardian, either after that guardian dies or it gets kicked to the curb in one particular case. So, yes, I mean, because I mean, that's what happened with your he basically was like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, go away. Get out of here. And then Ward died. There's an assumption that that ghost adopted Malford. There's not confirmation. There's a lot of missing time in that whole story. But then our own ghost with pod 10 we know that that ghost has tried to resurrect other guardians. So. The one-to-one ratio when an active ghost has not found an active guardian, I think, is not true. But there can only be one guardian for every one ghost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, They're a skeleton key as far as guardians, but they can only unlock one lock at a time. If that, I can hop on board with that, right? I mean, I mean, right. I mean, doesn't that make sense though? I mean, they, they, they are, they are universal, but as soon as they lock on, they are paired with that unit until that one side gets destroyed or is, you know, the contracts terminated. Yeah. Well, that's that's what it seems like when we look at the uh, the relationship, like. For instance, our ghost has with us mm-hmm. in game. Um, we can be resurrected all day, but if you're doing a nightfall, it takes half a minute for you to be able to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Um, in the darkness zones. Yeah, and any darkness zone takes and 30 seconds. Justin and- actually has one of the best theories for darkness zones that I've heard. Yeah, it's my whole it's my whole electromagnetic right. Yeah, radiation I, I'm, I'm dead serious. As soon as you got done saying that, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so. it's just, the darkness zone is just uh, <clears throat> a place with a bunch of interference. 
and it interferes with the the transmission of the traveler's light. Um, and either in the case of a cool down, it takes longer to get through, or in some cases, there's no hope. You're just done. You're all dead. Right. And then, I mean, we do know that the like the the in-game mechanic of waiting before you can self-resurrect is explained as there's not enough light around so but there's still some light and yeah. so the ghost is re- is collecting it at a slower pace than normal yeah and actually it makes sense the whole nightfall game mechanic makes perfect sense when you think about it in this way you're in a darkness zone think of it as being in an area with really bad cell cell reception, right? As long as the other two is at least one of the other two guardians in your fire team is alive, you have one of them acting almost as a repeater, mm-hmm. um, kind of helping to amplify and channel the light that you can feed off of. Because we know from some of the last fire, t- the last crota, I mean the first crota fire team cards, that uh, ghosts are very much aware. And can pick up on other ghosts' light. And from, we know that from other places too. But I just view that as that. That's why in a nightfall, when you're in that darkness zone. Um, well, a nightfall is one big darkness zone. But in in a darkness zone, um, when one of you dies, he's got a cooldown. When um, all three of you die, you're just screwed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, it, yeah. It, it does. That's one of those I should really write up mm-hmm. before I forget it. Yep. <laughs> this is this is a this is a hint. Yeah, hint. the traveler is T-Mobile confirmed. <laughs> no, no, traveler is totally Sprint. Oh no! Wait, wait! You get reception past the walls of the city, so it is not Sprint. It's not AT and T. It's not AT and T either. <laughs> what is it? Is there a cell yeah. service that does that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Primeco. <laughs> Cricket. Yeah. So there go, there go all there. No, Cricket's just AT&T. <laughs> we're, we're going, we're off. The, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, there go the sponsorship deals just straight out the window. Um, I do believe if we're ready to move off for this one, that Willie has the best card ever on tap. Is that correct? <laughs> my favorite. One of my favorites. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of try to TLDR the card a little mm-hmm. bit because it's just such a... Too many numbers. Can, but you have to read the one right before the analysis. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I can do that at least. Okay. Okay. That's like the really the only one that matters for anything. Well, the important thing to know is that the Ghost Fragment Cabal 4 is for specifically the staff of Primus to on, who we all know he gets taken. And uh, he was, from what it seems here, the leader of the Skyburners. And it comes down to where the, the they are just so frustrated. Because they they can kill us so many times, and we just continuously come back. Not only do we come back, but we come back dancing or yeah. doing 
tricks on sparrows or just in general like the the this card tldr is the cabal showing their frustration with not understanding our relationship with the ghosts um before i get into that, i'm just i'm just, willie did a really good job of summarizing it i'm gonna read the last little bit i'm gonna say real quick that um my favorite part of this card is really small and it's right at the beginning uh it says that a sand eater two cohort um or one century or eight maniples well or it says i think that cohort century one maniple eight right two squad um so line infantry yeah, I think that means that it's the second squad in the eighth maniple of the first century of the second cohort. Okay. And um, anyways, they were ambushed <laughs> by a solitary guardian, no survivors. Um, and I don't know how big a squad is in the Cabal infantry. I know a maniple in the Roman in- infantry was like either 120 or 60 men. Yeah, it's well, a- Maniple typically consisted of 120 soldiers arrayed in three ranks of 40 men. So nice, and that nice. was in Roman Empire. So, yeah. I'd, but this I'm was imagining just imagining that it would be similar. Yeah, but uh, this was a squad out of a maniple, so I don't think it was that many. No, uh, like maniples. <clears throat> let's see, maniples were composed of a lot of different things um and i don't know if they had a quote squad i'm looking real quick i don't yeah that might be well that that doesn't fit in with their military right. tactics anyways mm-hmm. a squad i mean manables but were they weren't mobile enough to have you know squads moving around they it was well, line well not the first not the first yeah. iterations but yeah eventually they got to it but yes Let's go with that. So anyways, moving on from just like the minutia of the cabal military structure. Yeah, let's move on um, to the fun part. There's a couple of different uh, accounts here of um, a single guardian just completely wrecking faces. Um, target guardian temporarily destroyed. Target reengaged with guardian reinforcements. No friendly survivors. Dropship shot down. Crew reported guardians operating elaborate totem rocket weapons. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, it's just like if you read this card in totality, you can just like I can't help but just feel like the frustration just getting oh. more and more and more. It's just like yeah. um, overwhelmed by guardian fire team slash vex pressure. Few survivors. Survivors reported guardians foraging for equipment. So we're farming mats on them, <laughs> dancing, and performing acrobatics with light vehicles. <laughs> so love, we're trolling. I love, big I, I love the um, nod to the player then, in that. And then this is an archetypal, <laughs> archetypical engagement. It represents many hundreds of failed operations. <laughs> Guardian activity in the Freehold AO has exploded across the recent campaign seasons. Tactical attrition exceeds both frictional projections and our ability to regenerate losses. 
new tactics are necessary. The primary threat is the Guardian's individual counterattrition capability. Guardians can be rebuilt even after total disintegrative trauma. The, this capability is provided by a small autonomous drone called a dead person. Translation unclear. The dead person conceals itself during combat. It is not a viable target for direct fire. Saturation attack by artillery. Heavy, heavy air orbital fire may have good effect. Although guardians transmat frequently and refuse to assemble into large formations, <laughs> i.e. teams of larger than six. Uh, solitary dead persons have been observed in all areas of operation. The relationship between the solitary and the paired dead persons remains unclear. Uh, yeah. No, well, okay, is- and you know, just so the reason I can't help but just like keep laughing at this card is it is literally the the definition of like the the perfect war machine fighting guerrilla tactics. I mean, this is like this is akin to like a red coat when they were in the Revolutionary War. I'm like they they won't stand still. And like they couldn't the, understand why they wouldn't line up. Yeah, no, I mean that's exactly. It was like the, yeah. they viewed it as dishonorable war, combat. Like it was like you're not you're not fighting right, and the, the, their militias were like we're winning. Yeah, like well, we're fighting well enough. Like I mean, and that's exactly. I just I just hear that frustration of like just just fight like civilized people. Is why. <laughs> and um, the other fun fact is like, so they keep calling them dead persons because literally that's what a ghost is. So that tells me that they have a translation device somewhere. Yeah, that said ghost. And there were when we say ghost. when we say ghost, they hear dead person because that's what their translation yeah. device. Says. Which actually, it, it this is a pretty big reach. It leads me to believe the cabal have no belief in an afterlife whatsoever. <laughs> that they, you know, that they literally can. This is a person who's not living anymore. It's the word for ghost. That's what I get from that. Yeah, uh, you know, actually, that makes that's a fair point because why, why even did I in say the that Rome, during the Cabal episode, I know why didn't you do that? But like, even during that's a really good point, actually, because it, it the Cabal don't have paracausal capabilities. Yeah, or a deity to really, you know, well that we know about. I mean, yeah. they might have a they might have a deity, but they don't believe. So that would actually be a break from the Roman tradition that's the cabal seem to be sponsored off of or modeled off of. Yeah. Because I mean in Roman civilization the afterlife was a was a huge huge piece yeah. of you know that was the that was the entire reason they performed the actions that they did was to to honor their their ancestor spirits. Um another Interesting point from this card. Uh, when we go back to where we're talking about dark zones, it seems that the cabal actually got the darkness zone from the from the hive in that last little bit before the sign off. It says flare analysis suggests that the hive have de- developed unconventional counter dead person capability. The capture of the hive le- leadership may yet yield vital strategic intelligence, including weapons or tactics capable of defeating guardians permanently. Do you read that that way? Mm-hmm. Almost like I also know, I, I'm also reading that like it's a German writing it. 
if you know anything about the German language, they just add words. Like they just add yeah. syllables to words. Like the the word for a tank is like a ridiculous fifteen syllable word because it's basically armored turtle that that has wheels and with big guns. Oh, why like that's, I mean that's like tanka. Well, yeah, but I mean that's like literally the unconventional counter dead person capability. I'm like, you couldn't just say they have developed a way to to counteract this. Yeah, that like, that and. <laughs> That is a very military way of <laughs> militaristic way of speaking too. So it just it's it it also gives you the per, like the view into the psyche of the cabal, which is just it fits in the box and we blow up the box. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's not fitting in the box, so how do we blow it up? And they're very angry about that. So Oh yeah. <clears throat> but enough about the psychology of the cabal, which Oh you I can go you get on the forever. Good you get the good one. Oh my gosh, this one. They're all good. These are some good cards. God, this is just so long. Can we TLDR this one? Yes, you can. Okay. So, Rezal Azir, War Without End. Um, awesome card. If you have not read this card, go to ishtarcollective.net and search Do for it. Rezal Azir, War Without End. Or just ask Lorebot in the Discord chat. Or just chat. He'll, ask, he'll show ask for Rezal and um, Rezal Azir and then read both of them. Yeah, well, but yeah, that's true. So anyways, this one is actually a recounting of three combat scenarios. Yeah, three combat yeah. scenarios with Rezal who we were introduced to in the last expansion as one of the first Titans. He was actually formerly Arisen, which was the Guardians prior to them becoming Guardians. And Rezal is then the predominantly important part of this card for this chat is actually in the second combat. Um, Rezal actually shows the the risen or the guardians. We're not sure which one he is here. I would almost argue that at this point he would be a guardian um, because he's actually fighting fallen, not other risen, which we, we kind of talked about yeah. that with the rise of the guardian episode, but in this one, he actually shows how the Guardians are either beginning to or have come to use the capability of resurrection as a tactical choice. Um, and so in what I'm talking about here is he actually willingly jumps into the middle of a fallen uh, patrol, gets himself killed to pull the fallen uh, Kel, I want to say. Was it the Kel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he goes ahead. He takes out as many as he can when the Kel is there dancing, celebrating. Oh, that's right. He picks it, the Kel picks him up by the throat. Yeah, yeah. The Kel assumes him dead, and then his ghost brings him back, and he just Titan smashes and destroys the Kel. Well, with anything else in his yeah, path. he he comes back shoots the Kel in the face and then fist of panics the Kel's dead body and kills all the other uh all in the other, other words master class <laughs> oh, I had to work that one in <laughs> so but this is the important part about this is is that this starts showing you that the guardians are actually fully cognizant of the benefits of death like of not being able to die permanently. 
Um, so much so that we see later with the Fabian strategy weapon, uh, which is an exotic assault rifle, I want to say. Hang on. It yeah, is it's assault it's, rifle. It's all right. Specifically. Um, which the Fabian strategy is another one that we've talked. We, I feel like we talked about this one for so many times, but the Fabian strategy because says, we have. yeah, wait for an enemy to make a mistake, die, stand by for ghost resurrection, repeat as necessary. So, I mean, the Fabian strategy is a nod to a Roman, uh, Roman general Fabius and his war of attrition against Hannibal. And basically, a war of attrition is just grinding down the enemy. But so this is this is a nod to the guardians actually actually having strategies on dealing with enemies that are based primarily around the fact that they are not capable of permanent death. Um, there's a couple hunter cloaks that are talking about the easiest way to kill a mine or to clear a minefield. Walk out into the minefield, find mine, explode, wait for ghosts to resurrect you, and repeat as necessary. And so, like, you know, with the hunter humor, that's basically the same thing. So I think, I mean, that's that's the pretty important thing with the Rezzle card is it shows, it shows us a glimpse into the tactical mindset of a guardian with regards to the ability to resurrect. Yeah, and that's what I would say to you, Blue, is like, Russell used the fact that, okay, I'm going to die, but you're going to bring me back, and I'm going to smash everything in the wake of me coming back to life. So that's, for me, probably one of the more important resurrection cards Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is that Russell card. Definitely the first time someone weaponized it that we well that we know about. Well, in in lore, thus far, mm-hmm. in lore, if it didn't happen in lore, I don't care about it, Blue. Oh my gosh, here we go. It's, it didn't if it's not in print, it didn't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, there's countless crota attempts yeah. and vault glass attempts. Yeah, um, and, and I I do constantly wonder about that personally. It's yeah. like when we actually wipe in game, is that part of the lore? Like when we all die, is there something that brings us back in time, or you uh, know? I, I think you're probably outside of lore. Yeah, I think point. at that point it's a game mechanic that's just giving you another. I mean, that's that's the same argument as to why we run. The same strikes every week. Yeah. Um, you know, technically speaking, every time you run a strike in game, it's the first time. Yeah. Because if you could reconcile every game mechanic, it'd be real life. Technically. Right. But you would have at to some start, point you would, there's have to start some... you would have to start a new character over. Yeah. So at some point you're gonna have to step outside of of what's, you know, what's feasible for the story and just you're it's it's almost like asking an audience to accept a couple things in a movie you know what i mean you just have to accept that yeah it's you're gonna go to a menu you're gonna restart you're gonna suspension of disbelief disbelief there you go that's what i was so moving on to my other favorite class let's talk about a warlock and uh i I am gonna read this one just because i love the toland i love the cards that toland narrates Mm mm-hmm 
They're awesome. Um, so we'll talk about Ghost Fragment Hellmouth or The Hellmouth. Um, this is Tolan's little conversation with Ear Ute or him kind of recounting it. I am dead. Vel is spectacularly dead. Omar and Sai are quite dead too. Ariana, poor Ariana. She was so very bright at the end, wasn't she? A brave light. But Crota was unmoved. That shadow is detached from its source. Light makes it darker. I could feel his presence, and if I still had a ghost, I'm sure it would have screamed. I too am detached from my source. The charming Iryute made her introductions, and I was very pleased to meet her. We had a conversation, a little tete-a-ute, a couple of old wizards exchanging definitions. I defined myself a friend. She defined for me the quiddity of death, and she sang a song of that fearful autonomy. Revelation, my friends, it goes down hard. The definition killed me. Killing redefined me. This is the shape and the point of the tooth. Nothing has ever lived that will not die. Now I fly between green-black suns in the labyrinth beyond Crota's god star. This is the overworld, the sea of screams, where the throne universes of the great hive fester in an eternal majesty. I move among them. I map the shapes and connections of this world. I want to appear in the tower and taunt them. Lo, lo, I never sleep. I dance in the light and shadow. I never sleep. I will never die. I will never die. I want to ask them, if you followed your laws here to this trembling, fearful place, of what use were those laws? But I have work to do. I shout into deep places. Osiris! I call, Osiris, Osiris, can you hear me? Sometimes I think he answers. Sometimes I wonder what became of Eris. She was so very tenacious. For the first time, I am lonely. So this is, I mean, other than like Praetith getting stuck in like the dark passages of time and a couple other instances, this is like one of the first times you hear about like a legit afterlife going on for a guardian well, at least i think so he he's in the overworld of the hive well technically it, it is an afterlife he's he's been he's been killed I mean, he, he his soul he's has died. ascended but i mean at this point has he really died we don't know yeah well i mean in the in the corporal sense in, in, in all the, the same as far as his card goes yes he's dead but he's still so alive. You know? well, let me put it this way. All the criteria that we use to define someone as dead in our world, by that, by that standard, we can consider Tolan dead. Um, his consciousness survives. His soul ascended if, he, if there is such a thing in this, in this reality. Well, I would and, argue there is. I mean, yeah, I mean the I, hive, I think there has the hive to in and of themselves prove that with the, the sword realms. Because when you kill Crota, or you kill, well, not Crota, but when you kill um, Oryx, and even in the Books of Sorrow, when they killed each other, they would snap back into their sword worlds. Yeah. You know, and so there, there is a a quality that is not physical that transcends the physical, which 
in our language is usually defined as the spirit or the soul. I mean, it's not, they don't use that terminology, but the definition of itself is, is the definition that we use when we refer to a soul. It's a, it's a quality of the individual personality that transcends the physical realm or physical realm that lives on after the physical manifestation of that individual has been destroyed. And the, the thing that strikes me is in a game where hardly anything is ever final, you, you never hear one guardian, you know, in remembrance of another guardian, wish them well in an afterlife. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't seem to be a, it doesn't seem to be in the culture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to be in well, the belief structure. I mean, yeah, or at least no, not observably. At least not as far as guardians go. I mean, the whole yeah, festival yeah. of the lost was a huge. That's yes, that's a big remembrance. And I mean, that was <clears throat> that was more for the uh, citizens. But I mean, uh, Eva made the argument when she was oh. making the argument with Akora that the entire reason that they were having it was that because the guardians were all dead as well. Uh, Because in the card, it says, these are the traditions of the city guardian. We share them with you so that you might better understand those whom you protect. And then the card goes on to, you know, have a conversation between Eva and Ikora, where you actually kind of find out that Eva has a really 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 sad past um her entire family was killed on the way to the city she's all that's left and so the festival of the loss is very important to her as a character because of that because it it celebrates their lives she says with both joy and sorrow and then Ikora challenges that and says that that's great for the city because you guys actually you know it's basically implied because you die we don't. And so she says, what meaning does it hold for the guardians? And Eva's response is, it's a bit of light in a dark time. That is enough. To which Ikora says, no, we have greater concerns and this is no time for games. And Eva actually comes back and I think, and ultimately this is why we have Festival of the Lost. She says, all guardians were lost once. We honor your spirits as well. And so it's not just, you know, it's not just the quote unquote final death or the, the finally dead that the festival of law, the festival of the loss was actually celebrating us as guardians, as well as those that they had lost in the city. And that's really, you know, to me, that's really telling on the way that citizens see the guardians. Um, There's a lot of flavor text within the citizens you know, even in the tower that walk around, if you listen to them, you know, there's one that says, where do you go when your ghost brings you back, Titan? Do you remember it? And then there was another one actually that said that my mother's, my mother always told me I have the traveler's light inside of me, not like you. And so the citizens, and we also, there's also a number of different quotes there too, that speak about how, how terrifying the guardians in the tower are to the normal citizens and how it's very odd that there are no guardians, you know, in the city there, they don't really go down a lot. Um, they're kind of set above the light on the hill, if you were. And to me that, that kind of speaks very loudly of the, 
the view that the city has towards the guardians in general is that something is, it's different. It's not, which I mean, obviously it is, but they recognize that even on a spiritual level, these people are not the, they're not human anymore. Even if you are a human guardian, you are not a human. You know, we, we kind of have a running joke in the chat about guardians are liches because of the, the ghost as the phylactery. And, you know, that's, I really, that's, that's what I keep seeing is that the guardians are undead. They're not, they're not dead, but they're not alive either. They're borrowing an animating force from a being that's much larger than themselves, more so than a normal human or normal citizen would. I mean, because we know that the normal inhabitants of the world in have within them some of the traveler's light or some light at least we know that from the thorn cards and we kind of talked about that on a couple episodes but it's not the same quality i would guess you would say or maybe the same depth that they can't generate it as quickly or as powerfully as a guardian can and I think that the important part of being a guardian is first off the re- I mean, one of the theories is one of the reasons that you're you have to be dead is maybe you have to break those floodgates that naturally would prevent your body from becoming the the conduit of light so that you know the amount of light that you're you're surging through your system might not necessarily be safe in a physical sense, but you have a ghost there that's constantly repairing your body is one of the more interesting theories that I've read. And, you know, I, I actually kind of makes sense if you look at light as an animating factor, um, whether that be electricity or, you know, just the spiritual sense that, you know, I've talked about before, the amount of light that you generate is ridiculous especially when compared to the paltry amount that a normal citizen does. So, yes. Yes, I like it. So, going from the Hellmouth, I think we've got, we can touch briefly on the heart of Crota. Mm -hmm. It's somewhat... I, I just I, I included that one in there just because it had the instance of poor Omar right having and the light Omar's, stripped yeah. from him and it's Omar's final death like and I, I think that's important that's an important distinction to make too with within the realm of destiny is that death is not the final frontier for guardians and for any of us any of the characters who have access to the paracausal capabilities um, death is merely an annoyance an inconvenience yes and but but every being has a final death um you know we know from we know from some of the dark below cards about how or um was it dark below or was it house of wolves where we learned that eris literally doesn't have a ghost and she says that her next death death will be her last since she she has to exist with that knowledge, which actually points to an interesting factor that I'm curious why she couldn't acquire a new ghost. Maybe it's not. I don't the, think one would go near her. 
Well, I mean, there's there's that the the taint of the darkness that is yeah. on Eris's character is rather rather powerful. But I mean, even it makes me wonder if a ghost is destroyed but the guardian isn't and the guardian survives to get back to the tower, could technically another ghost take over? We know that it works the other way. If that was the case, would Eris have another ghost by now? Well, unless the ghosts don't want anything to do with her. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, Just, she is kind of creepy, but well, I mean, she's I also impact. Her. She's also infected with all the darkness. That yeah, she had she's to, just got a high venous. I'm, I'm just saying, I would take her out for a burger. That's all I'm saying. We know. Oh, I'd hang out with her for sure. But I don't wow. want to be your ghost. Nice, nice subtle dig there. <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, if Harris ever wanted a burger and fries. She could come to me. I'm with I that. Get her burger and fries. I'm with that. I'd get her burger and fries. Um, no, you, um, you shut yes your I mouth. Would. I would. Uh, so, Willie, did no, you want no, to read the, the Heart of Crota? It's pretty short. Heart of Crota. It's not the first and surely is not the last. But until the last heart stops, their hate will spread endlessly across the black. Heirs, record this. The Heart of Crota. It is her blood that feeds their fury. I thought Omar dead until I heard his screams. I followed them down to the darkest night of the caverns below. What I saw, I witnessed all we fear. The villainy of the hive on full display. Among a sea of cocoons and surrounded by thousands more freshly spawned hordes, the heart held Omar's broken body in a vice of bone and pain. She was peeling the light from his body. How? I can't imagine. And I have tried. Tendrils of luminances tore away from like flesh. With every strand, Omar's scream cut the dark and was met with the chittering chorus of the unborn. I can't say if they were feeding off the light itself or the pain, but my guess is both. Somehow, both. The heart, though I can't believe she actually has one, seemed to be conducting some nightmare orchestra, nurturing Crota's children with echoes of Aga's light. The hive must have must end for all they had done and someday by my hand or another's the heart will meet an end fitting of the pain she herself has dealt so pretty much uh you will pay eventually which we all know our guardian ends up fulfilling that wish for her <sighs> just freaking which had Omar like a thing of string cheese? Just uh, it's bad. It's bad. That's what you too, man. Like uh, poor Omar God got the worst death. Probably so. I think so. I, that's the worst one I can recall in Destiny history. Like uh, the awoken guy who got the screaming knives of his own ghost gives him a close second, but I think that's probably <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, that yeah, one's they're... a slower, more painful thing, I think, probably. Yeah, and I mean, you do have, of course, uh, Wei Ning 
is on the tip of Crota's blade screaming as well. Um, but I mean, this is Omar is literally getting the light stripped of him like it's flesh. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, that's pretty freaking brutal, dude. Yeah, thank uh, Shao Kahn and Mortal Kombat. I was just about to say, yeah, <laughs> that's what I think yeah. of. Yeah. Just Look. ten times worse. Yeah, just ten times worse. <laughs> Your soul is mine. So, so I would. It was really, it was really slim pickings on uh, items for this one. Um, we had the Ghost Angel Hunter helm, which is a pretty cool, pretty cool to quote. Shake it off. We've all been dead before. <laughs> yeah, pretty I awesome. I just, I love it. It's just the hunter, the hunter personality. Yeah, just. But it also it. it interferes with the uh the whole dredge your story because right. we all know that shin was not resur- well as far as we know so far shin hasn't been resurrected which i i still find it hard to believe that well but we also there's also giant holes in that timeline yeah i think also there he could be holes in that timeline he couldn't be he he could be that flavor text could be referring to a risen, you know, the fact that we're all risen, we were all dead, and then we were resurrected and became guardians. But he could also be be referring to the simple fact that we die a lot in day to day life and get resurrected. Well, I mean, We've all been dead at some point or another. So just you know, everyone's got problems. Well, so, when it comes down to it, I think that is the, I think that is the point of the card, the uh, fact that. Yeah, um, we die and we move on. That's who we as guardians are. That's then, what we do. Of course, they had the monolith bleed, the card that proved blue right. <laughs> will live on in infamy. The crucible gave birth to the Thanatonauts, warlocks who hunt for secrets and death. Um, I guess those are warlock boots. Yes, they. they well, the monolith, the monolith bleed. Is a warlock armor set. Armor set. The okay. Monolith Bleed Three was the one that I was talking about. Um, I think actually the Monolith Bleed. I think just that. I think that is a general set, <clears throat> and they're just different numbers for the different pieces. Because mm-hmm. you have two, you have two, yeah. three, and I, four. I hate it when they get lazy like that. Yeah. So the chest. The chest – well, this is the weird thing. So Monolith Bleed 3 is the one that has the quote that you were saying. Monolith Bleed 2 is the warlock chest armor, and that's the one that says, In a broken fortress at the heart of a poisoned land lies the Wishmaker. And then Monolith 4 is the warlock head, and it has a fun one that says, Listen for the protest of weak minds breaking, crying out that their defeat was an error, a mistake. <clears throat> Paltry excuses in PvP. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> I mean, dude, seriously, is that not how you read that? Like, I read yeah. that, I'm like, oh my gosh, they just completely made fun of fun of everybody. And then Monolith Bleed for the Warlock Arms is the quote from Pancake that says that he can't, I can't shake hands with Warlocks. I just get so nervous that they're going to vaporize me. 
It's it's a fair point. It is a fair point. If you've you ever go- played Trials of Osiris, it's a very fair point. I uh, just every time I read that one, I start thinking of all the YouTube videos of people dancing to trick the opponents into coming into oh, range, yeah. and then just like nova bombing or fist panicking or you know rocketing them. I was like, "Yep, that is a very, very smart fear." So yeah. So then, of course, we had. Oh, you're trying to defend pancake. What? He doesn't need a defense. He is not need a defense. Then he there was... Defense. He's a coward. Uh, a, a, a pragmatist. He's a pragmatist. He's he a did... damn coward. How did he get out of the vault of glass when no one else did? He's, really He's a boss. He's a boss. <laughs> I love how both Justin and I are like, uh... <laughs> He's I a boss. To believe it. Sometimes the he... only man who makes it out is John Rambo. Or he's a blade know. dancer and he can go and visit. No, I, I definitely refuse to see pancakes with a Rambo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's probably I a stretch. More as a, uh, a little finger in Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones fans feel me. Is that the wee fella? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's Tyrion. <laughs> I, love, I love how he keeps bringing Game of Thrones references up and we're both <laughs> like, wait, okay. Wait, <laughs> wait. Maybe this week Justin yeah. watched it. Yeah, you know what the hell with you guys? <laughs> so, I'm not quit being so self-centered. Watch the <laughs> show or read the books and you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so the the we had the Tengu operant boots, um, which is another it's a rare warlock leg that says that the solipsist position is false. I could never imagine this. A Thanatonaut's final words before ghost intervention. Oh my gosh, there's so much fun connections on that one. <clears throat> yes. So um, just just real quick is sol- solipsism is the belief, which is kind of crazy to me, that nothing outside of the self even exists. Right. I know there's different offshoots of it, but that's the basic mm-hmm. – that's that's the the it's solipsism for dummies overview. Pretty much. So take egocentricism, which is – me first, you second, and elevate it times ten, and that's yeah, be like that's solipsism. Me here, you not right. Well, you everyone, uh, hmm, it is an extreme case of hermeneutic phenomenology. Uh, it's basically the world doesn't exist. Well, it's a, it's a perversion of that process too, but it's um the world doesn't exist. Except for I perceive it. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's almost, it's almost the source. Well, I think almost it actually is the source of relativism, which is the concept that if it's okay for me, then, you know, moral relativism is very dangerous, but physical relativism is actually very similar to solipsism in that it, it says that if I don't see it, it doesn't necessarily exist. I'm only moving if I have a tree on the side of the road to judge my movement by. Well, even worse. That's, well, that's relative yeah, motion. But. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that's that's relativism physically. Yeah. yeah. No. It's so. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. Really weird. But the cool thing about that is that that's a connection to the Ahamkara because 
the Ahamkara were explained as dragons who made wishes, who were known for their solipsistic flatteries. And so that's actually theoretically how they tricked people into making deals with them was because they were, and I kind of explained this when we were talking about the Ahamkara, but it also flies in the face of what the guardians were supposed to be, which was a very allocentric existence. They were supposed to put the city above themselves. And so for a dragon who is promoting the exact opposite, it would make sense that that is a very dangerous viewpoint. And it could actually be that that was part of the reason that there was a great hunt of those dragons. Um, there's another interesting piece on the Tengu. Um, Tengu is actually a term from the Japanese uh, folk religions where it, and I think it literally translates into heavenly dog, but there it's a type of legendary creatures in folk in Japanese folk religion. And they're considered either a Kami or a Yokai. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's basically a Kami is a, is a Shinto God and then a yokai are supernatural beings. And the Shinto is a regional thing. I don't want to say too yeah. much on that because I'm not sure. But it's a it's a they're a, like a minor god within that regional subset, I believe, of the folk religion. Whereas the yokai are basically um a classification of supernatural monsters, spirits, or demons in the Japanese folklore. And the it's an, it's kind of an interesting thing. The word is actually made of the kanji for bewitching, attractive, and calamity, and specter, apparition, or mystery, or suspicious. So they're not necessarily bad, but they're not necessarily good. So it's it's a very like interesting imps. Yeah, yeah. So my son actually watches a TV, a bad TV show with yokai in it. Um, they're like little Pokemon. It's it's like it's like retarded Pokemon is what it is. <laughs> he catches them and puts them in a little watch. So it's spelled the same. It's like the exact same thing. So that's kind of crazy. But so yeah, that's but that's uh, Tengu apparently is uh, it's a Japanese folk religion thing. That's that's actually very. I was thinking like a food dog when you said. Yeah, well, I mean, that's dog. what when I started reading about it, I was like, so yeah, that, that's actually exactly what I was thinking. And then it got, I kept it kept going. I was like, mm 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 That's not at all what this. Well, I, yes, I mean, no. it's no. like yes, but no. Yeah. So. So then we had the Fabian strategy, which we've already kind of touched on, which was the the Rezel strategy is what they should call it. Um, Wait for enemy to make a mistake. Die. Stand by for ghost resurrection. Repeat as necessary. Yep. And, and then we have a really fun one, the Thanatos SR5. Um, and I love the quote on that one. It says, where death follows, new life will grow. Where new life grows, death will follow. Um. But what's what's even more fun about this one, for me at least, is the connection to the actual Greek mythological figure Thanatos, um, which is also 
the the inspiration I think for the Thanatonauts, um, which we've talked about a number of times. But the Thanatonauts were explorers of death. Well, Thanatos was basically a representation of death in ancient Greek mythology, um, and he's usually explained as like a classical demonic, um, which which is very different than modern definition of demonic. A uh, classical meaning of demonic is usually like a benevolent or benign nat- nature spirit. It's not a an evil creature. Um, but the interesting thing about Thanatos really is that he really, or it really was never a major part in any Greek mythology. In fact, it really didn't, he didn't really appear anything. There is a subset ironically there that he, um, appeared in the Sisyphus story, which is an interesting thing because we talked about Sisyphus in regards to Clovis Bray. And so Thanatos was actually tricked by Sisyphus, um, in the story. But the other cool thing about Thanatos is that he is the son of Nyx and Erebus. Now those are two, two entities. Uh, Nyx is night and Erebus is darkness. So Thanatos was the offspring of night and darkness. And he was the brother. His twin brother was hypnos who is sleep, which is where we get the, the terminology hypnotism. Um, there, there's a number of different siblings connected to Thanatos. The most telling or the most recognized one is Charon, who is the boatman uh, who you know travels the river Styx. And interesting enough, on there also Eris uh, from Greek mythology was a sibling of Thanatos, and Eris was the minor god of strife in that mythology. Um, but like Thanatos is basically. He's like a lesser version of Pluto or Hades, and he was just basically supposed to be hated by everybody, um, both mortals and gods. Completely despised him because he was just absolutely merciless and indiscriminate. In his his power was death. He he would he was he was one of the first um, portrayals of the the Grim Reaper. His scythe was actually that was that was Thanatos, and when he when he came knocking, you just you you didn't really you didn't have any chance on that one. So, and we have Thanatos in the uh, Marvel universe as well, mm-hmm. where he uh, he's pretty much the instrument of death. He yeah. has all the yeah. uh, is Infinity Stones. Is his name Thanos or Thanatos? Thanos. I always screw it's that up. Th- it's, it's Thanos. Yeah, it's, it's the same. It's also, it's also but yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's very similar. Um, I only say that because I've called him both. <laughs> no, it's it's Not a similar. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know uh, fiction and fantasy novels that that use Thanatos. Thanatos and, is know, a very popular. That trope. word is actually the base building block of Thanatonaut. Right. Which um, is the combination of Thanatos and then not, which is like an astronaut. It's an explorer or a sailor actually. Um, so a Thanatonaut is literally a sailor of death. Um, but Thanatonauts, like the name is derived of Thanatos, but Thanatonauts and um, Rhino 
uh, Rhino666 in our chat and I have been talking about this, but we're pretty sure Thanatonauts are actually a really big nod to a novel that was written in 1994 by a French science fiction author, Bernard, uh, Bernard Werber. And it's less than an and less than a tenatus. I don't speak French. So, um, you don't, don't. I don't, I would never (laughs) even pretend to, but it's, uh, the entire it's actually two trilogies and the less than Atenatus is a book within the trilogy it's the first of the five part series um and it just basically explores and deals with the search for afterlife in a in a science fiction slash science fantasy series and an exploration there so and it's actually i think one of the introductions to the term thanatonautic so that's where nice so yep that's that's all the trivia on those pieces yeah and then like one of the most random guns but i just love the freaking flavor text (laughs) no problem 78f really isn't germ it's it's not very pertinent (laughs) nothing to do with anything but uh Cabal military codes allegedly refer to death by multiple gunshots as problem 78 subject subsection F. And there's an auto rifle called problem 78 F. I love how they have it like documented like chapter two, subsection, sub chapter four, page 10, quote five like it's just like yeah. line five like and i i would literally i would love it if there were 78 bullets in the mag <laughs> that one but that would be just a little bit much uh, I, I would use that thing in crucible all the time uh, uh and then we have we have a few extra lore items um a couple thanatonaut items we have the thanatonauts lullaby which is uh it's it's literally a book and it says make the passage that much easier so Again, Thanatonauts are ritualistic suicide. Yeah. So that's, and and it's the entire point that they kill themselves is to pierce the veil into what we're calling, what we've, we've come to call the netherverse and to see, you know, supposedly the truth that lies beyond death. Mm -hmm. And the Thanatonauts bond says there's always a gap in the memories so even though you get glimpses of things, they're often cut up. Right. And which actually they might leads, be out of context. Which leads into the Bond of Veils, which says a thousand Thanatonauts on a thousand journeys have only made the tiniest of tears in death's veil. And that's I mean, that's pretty much it for the for the resers, mm-hmm. I think. Um, the only real extra lore item I found was the transcript of the ghost scan pod on the Cade stash mission mm-hmm. from TT from TTK. Yeah. Um, and that's where your ghost actually mentions that there's a guardian with exceptional light inside of pod 10 And, uh, he's been in there for centuries before I found you, I tried resurrecting him, but he preferred to sleep. He said the last war was long enough for lifetimes, for a thousand lifetimes. And this pod one one seven. Yeah, yeah, pod one one seven. It's France, people. Could could be, 
Could be Justin Bieber. I don't know. Oh my god! Don't uh, insult that. You, don't insult that, him that that's bad. What you said. No. I can't believe that just happened. Oh my god! <laughs> this guy wrote the Ave Maria. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't listen to his music, but oh Jesus! But he's got a lot of hits. <laughs> no, the, the Friends by Friends Beeble was a German composer of the Ave Maria, which was written is. in 1964, and he was also a draftee in World War II. The reason I'm the reason my theory is that that's a kind of a nod is first off, Destiny is really, really well known for its music, um, and Beeble was a very kind of infamous composer there. But also, he actually died on October 2nd, 2001, which would be 10-2-01. And when you die, you get put in a casket, which is, you know, kind of like a pod. So, and there's also the description of the war, the war that would last a thousand lifetimes. That was often, that was a lot of the World War II descriptions was... Along those lines, so. Well, and there's also Chiefs' fight against the flood and the. Uh, uh, well, I guess we won't go into that. Uh, yeah, well, that, I, I can't say kind one of way or the other. Said that it's not. Yeah, I can't I say don't one give way. Or what they said. <laughs> well, I can't say one way or another, but I say blue. He might have made a believable out of me. <laughs> 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 Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, the whole chief thing, it's I, I would love it if it were there. And it may very well be. And if it were, if it were, there's no way they would be able to to uh acknowledge it legally, I don't think they'd be able Oh, to. exactly. But, and and that's my point with it is that even if Bungie did want to obviously they would want to throw a shout out to Chief, they can't do it legally. They can't come out right and say hey this is a nod to master chief yeah they they just can't do it so i really strongly believe that warrior that has fought a war that would last a thousand lifetimes if anything it's more likely to be rezzle you can say it's rezzle all you want it's chief end of story periodically period (laughs) have you not learned Blue, he's he's got an idea in his head. Move on, <laughs> it's done. That's right. You're not going to convince me otherwise. You will not no move me, what. sir. I will not be moved. So I think that actually, um, as far as as far as drawn out lore in the game, uh, you could go into individual cases of guardians. We've kind of covered this before. It, they, this could go on ad nauseum. Um, uh, you could literally go in through every every case of a guardian dying and being resurrected, but it'd literally be hundreds. Um, I think that pretty much wraps wraps up what we know. I would agree. And, I think so. And blues pretty well laid out. A lot well, of I mean, we we always have the uh, the fact that we have the Sun Singer that Saint Fourteen saved, and he said, "You protect me, and I do nothing." And he told him to sing, and he did. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> nice. 
Well, um, as many of you know, we have a big event coming up this weekend with the Dads of Destiny. Um, and I think Justin will probably be talking about this a little bit as well. I think actually all of us might probably be saying this, but it's going to be the Breathe Easy charity stream. And that is in memory of Josh Strobel, who passed away of cystic fibrosis last year. Um, and it is a charity stream to help raise awareness and also funds to give to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, we are going to be doing a 48-hour stream and I'm actually helping organize that. So that's kind of why I keep pushing it. Um, that is going to start at 9 p.m. Central on Friday. So Central Friday. Um, and that's going to be on the Dads of Destiny Twitch channel. So if you do have any availability throughout the weekend, it's the 4th of July weekend. So I know a lot of people, at least here in the States, are going to have you know some time off. Just stop by, you know, give support where you can, whether that just be to cheer on the streamers. We have a pretty good lineup set up and then or just, you know, spread the word, make sure people are aware of it. Um, I know that we are organizing some pretty cool giveaways. We're in talks with a couple people to get some really special stuff or get some special stuff or trying to get some special stuff and organize that. But yeah, that's going to be the biggest one that I have um, for right now. So I'm going to hand that off to Justin. Oh, actually, no, that's not correct. I'm not handing it off to Justin. If you have not checked out our YouTube channel, um, we have a member of our community who is going to start trying to do some, some extra item lore videos for us and his name is unisys 12 we might know him or you guys might know him from his love of weapon lore which is pretty much his his focus for right now on the youtube videos that he's going to be putting out but the first one went live this morning actually so go over there and give it a give it a view and let us know what your thoughts are on it if you don't if you haven't already um, and we really, really appreciate it. So now and, Justin can, and also, uh, if you do, if you are a patron of the YouTube channel, expect more content on a more regular basis. Um, we're looking to push that out. So, um, we're looking to start having at least a video a week and then move on from there into two or three. Right. And we are getting the podcast uh, archived over there as well for those who prefer that medium to listen through. Yeah. And that's not counting the podcast. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So having said that, I would like to give a big shout out to the, for the breathe easy charity stream. Uh, yours truly will be, Oh Lord, I have to look at the schedule streaming Saturday. (laughs) I think starting at 6 a.m it's like six to eight, I think sandwich right between guardian radio and K magic, which is awesome. So no pressure at all. Yeah, awesome place to be. Um, yeah, I will not be doing anything fancy. It will be console streaming, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so definitely come tune in, uh, donate. If, if you come in and donate, I'll, I'll do stupid stuff. Like might play a song or delete a character or, I don't care. Just, just tweet stuff at me. I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do stupid stuff. I'll break it. I'll I'll crush a can on my head. I don't care. <laughs> um, 
So then I wanted to give a big oh, um, welcome back and a shout out to Fireborn Radio, who are the guys from Return to Orbit. Um, and they're, they're back. They kind of took a little hiatus and they're back with a new show called Fireborn Radio. And you can follow them on Twitter at Fireborn Radio. Um, and I wanted to give a big shout out to the Extra Lore guys this month doing Overwatch. Freaking yeah. It's going to be amazing. Um, take it slow, guys. There's not that much lore there yet. Like do a character a week. <laughs> No, a character a day. I know, I was about but, to say, there's, uh, there's enough characters. Well, there's 24 characters. There's 24 characters. So, anyways, uh, and a big shout out to my clan, DoD Chattawhite Crew. And that's it for me. That's kind of shout out heavy this week. All right. I guess I'll take over. Uh, of course, as always, big shout out to DoD X1 Foxtrot. That's my clan. That's my crew. Love all you folks. Um, of course, once again, as you've heard twice in a row now, check on the Breathe Easy stream. I highly recommend it. Always cool stuff going on um, on the DoD hosts. Any kind of giveaways. And, I mean, there's there's always a ton of great stuff to check out. Even if there wasn't, I mean, it, it's a great cause. Anyway, um, you know. Cystic fibrosis is one of those things that I honestly did not know about until last year when uh, when Legion lost Josh. And it, it made me look into it and realize how much of an issue it is. And there's a lot more people than we thought that, you know, actually are, are stuck with this disease. So... Definitely check into the Breathe Easy. Um, always huge shout out to Payan because without Payan, none of us would be here. And let's see, Foxtrot, Payan, Breathe Easy. Uh, I think that's it. Perfect. Well, with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast. And let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Also, be sure to check out our newest edition over on our YouTube channel, the link to be found on the website, from Unisys 12, the Destiny Item Lore. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central. But if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account at Focus Fire Chat. So until next time, the lore band marches on. <laughs>